Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast brought to you by Lindenwood University's Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise. Examining market approaches to help solve economic and social issues, Hammond.Institute. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Libraries are changing. They're not very much like what folks of a certain age might remember as kids. Many are being designed and redesigned to accommodate 21st century usage. Joining me to talk about it all are Steve Campbell, Library Director for Scenic Regional Library. It serves nine different communities in eastern Missouri. John Mueller is with Gemma, a local architectural firm. He's a lead architect in a $20 million upgrade project for Scenic Regional Library. A little bit later, we'll hear from Scott Bonner, director of the Ferguson Public Library District. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Steve, let me start with you. In a very general way, give me some idea of how libraries have changed over the recent past. Well, I'm not sure recent past. They've been changing dramatically really since about the 1950s and 60s. Most people, when they were children, uh, even people my age, I'm in my 40s, uh, when they were children, libraries were primarily buildings that had as many books crammed in them as possible, but there wasn't a lot of space for anything else. There wasn't a lot of comfortable seating in the library. Sometimes they had desks for you to do studying in. You know, if you were after school, you used to go to the library and study, uh, but there was no programming space, no spaces for uh, tutoring or anything like that. So um, libraries have transformed very rapidly, um, especially, I'd say, in the last 30 years. Um, now, um, libraries are really uh, designed for a wide variety of different things that most people do not think of as, as being pl- the types of services that happen at libraries. Such as? Uh, well, we do a, a huge uh, amount of adult and children's programming and teen programming. So these are free programs that the library offers in the evening on weekends where people can come and uh, on a wide variety of different subjects, um, everything from escape rooms for teens to um, quilting programs for adults to uh, we've even had a program once on how to clean deer and clean fish in the library. So any subject <laughs> you can imagine, uh, libraries are doing programs on. Uh, we have uh, um, yoga classes. We have uh, fitness classes. I mean, any subject you can think of that someone could have an interest in, uh, we have a program on. So we have that. Of course, we do programming for children as well, everything from magicians to uh, astronomy programs, um, you name it. And um, so libraries are counting programming that way. Um, now libraries, for example, in our teen areas we have, now we have an Xbox, we have gaming. Um, kids can actually come to the library and do gaming. We check out video games and they actually can do gaming on an Xbox there. Um, we have um, study rooms so people can do tutoring one-on-one at the library. Uh, if, if a business wanted to come off site to do an interview one-on-one with a client, they can do that in the study room of the library, a small um, area is about 10 feet by 10 feet. There's a table and a TV in it and everything where they can use that for that purpose. Um, we have um, lots of lots of um, things that people don't think of. So, for example, like um, f- we have um, fishing poles uh, through the Missouri D- Department of Conservation. They circulate fishing poles from all the branches. We have telescopes through the St. Louis Astronomical Society where uh, people can check out telescopes. So uh, there's so many different things that libraries are doing now uh, that people really don't think of as libraries. The biggest thing, of course, is our computers. Um, We have um, really high um, wireless usage. People come in and use their devices at the library, their tablets, their phones, things things like that. But also, we have desktop computers uh, in all our libraries. People can come in there, and if they needed to create a resume 
or um, they need to apply for a job online. Um, they can do that, uh, email someone. They can do that on our public computers. So uh, most people don't really think of the library for that purpose, uh, but we have a tremendous amount of computer usage. And it's really critical because um, people don't have access to free computer uh, and then you can go to like, you know, a fast food restaurant and get wireless. But if a kid wants to come and use their Chromebook that a school has issued to them for free, um, they can bring it somewhere like the library where they can use our wireless. Otherwise, they might go home and not have wireless. Mm. Um, same with the, same with the uh, computers, desktop computers. Uh, people might be wanting to apply for a job and it has to be done online. And they have no place to do that other than coming to the library. So we have a lot of workforce development in that way. Uh, people get interviewed at the library, too. Uh, businesses will meet them, like I said, off-site in one of our study rooms. So there's lots of services going on. Passport services we offer now at all our branches. There's some places that you can't even – some places that, like, for example, they were telling me in Herman, Missouri, where we have a branch, there's nowhere within a half hour that you can go to get a passport application. We're the only place. Um, and even places uh, that you can get a post uh, a um, passport, such as the, as the post office, they're closed in the evenings. They're closed on Saturday afternoons. We're the only place open in the evenings where they can get the passport. Um, clearly, we, clearly, you tail, uh, tailor what you do to the local community. I mean, not uh, the city library is not going to teach people how to clean deer, for instance, or give them fishing poles. You'd be surprised. Actually, actually, I, I, I'm not sure. I believe the Department of Conservation probably has fishing poles in a lot of the um, libraries in the St. Louis metro area. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But yes, absolutely. We definitely cater um, to our community. I, I don't know... Um, for example, I'm not sure if every library would have notary services, for example. I know in our communities, uh, there's nowhere you can get something notarized for free. We offer that. But maybe in cities where uh, there, there might be more services like that. I'm not as familiar with urban libraries as I am with um, you know, the rural, small town mm -hmm. libraries. However, I do know that there are definitely services in our communities that people cannot get access to anywhere else. You cannot go anywhere else to fax something in, in our communities other than coming to the library to fax something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely services like that that uh, photocopy things even. There's no <laughs> companies that you can go into a store and do uh, photocopying in our areas in a lot, some of our communities. So um, we're the place with the photocopy machine. We're the place with the fax machine. Um, we're their only, the only game in town. Do you have any books for crying out loud? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I know people typically when they hear, oh, the library's going to be in the, on the air or on the radio, they think of – they're talking about books. But actually, and I'm on the radio a lot in our area, on local radio stations, and I rarely talk about books, to be honest right. with you. There's just so many other services going on uh, that books are, while they're very important, um, they're, they're not something that I, um, that I talk a lot about, strangely enough. And sometimes, sometimes ahead, what I'll describe the library, the way libraries are today, is I'll say it's a community center for seniors, for adults, for teens, for children, for families. Uh, do all the things that Steve mentioned, and oh, by the way, yeah. there are books here. Yeah. Well, um, let, let's turn to your end of it here with what Steve has just described that uh, I, I guess represents uh, some challenges for you in going into uh, the design and redesign of, of these buildings. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that as architects we always like to look at with any, any type of building is its history. And so sort of I think a lot of people don't realize that the American library is actually uh, started by Ben Franklin, one of our founding fathers. So Franklin, Massachusetts mm -hmm. is the first public library. So we, we like to look at precedent. Uh, and as Steve mentioned, I would say, you know, as I grew up, libraries were looked at as depositories for books. Um, so one of the big challenges for us as architects is how do we change how people think mm -hmm 
about libraries? How do we change about when you say library, what's that image that comes into your mind? And so part of part of that change is how do we accommodate all the community components that that scenic regional is trying to implement here. That's really one of the most important parts of the architecture is how do we build community? How do we bring community into these libraries? Um, how do we have uh, a functioning community room that can operate even after the library closes uh, for evening events? How can we have a compelling children's environment that is part of the library but also separate because of the acoustics, uh, but not too separate so it feels separated or divided from it? Um, how do we have a compelling uh, teen environment that embraces technology, uh, that brings those teens in? So it's really a, almost a, a potpourri of different types of community spaces pulled together under one roof. Give me some sense of what you're doing for, uh, for Steve's organization, the Scenic Regional Library. You've got nine libraries you're working on in various ways, from building from scratch and also uh, refurbishing. Yeah, so right now, uh, the libraries that were, we just completed are Pacific, St. Clair, Owensville, New Haven, Sullivan, Wright City, Warrington. Those are complete. Out of those two, Wright City and Warrington are additions and renovations. All the other ones are brand new. Mm-hmm. We've doubled the size of each of the libraries from what they were. I think, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, your, your uh, attendance is up approximately 50%. Oh, no. Are you are mentioning books, Don? So even though I talk about books as kind of a secondary thing, um, our print material circulation, our usage is actually up anywhere between 8 and 80% at these new branches. So same materials. We, did, we, didn't, we added some new stuff, but not a tremendous amount of stuff. But just because the facilities are so new and inviting and so beautiful, mm-hmm. people are using the library so much. So our material usage is up, like I said, 8 to 80%. Um, and our computer usage at some places are up 100% from what they were before. So um, same stuff, same same services, same materials in these libraries. But because these buildings are so attractive and so comfortable and and uh, draw people in, our usage is up tremendously. Yeah. I'd like to bring uh, Scott Bonner from the Ferguson uh, Public Library District into the conversation. Uh, are you there, Scott? Hi, yes, I'm here. What have you heard that may be different from uh, your operation here in a more urban setting? Um, honestly, uh, philosophically, it's all pretty much in line. Um, essentially, the way I look at it is that uh, the purpose of a library is to fulfill its mission, which is you know lifelong learning and cultural literacy and bringing the community together. And we'll chase whatever practical and economical means we can to do that, which is part of why libraries are so strongly associated with books, because books are an extraordinarily effective way to do those things, but they have never been the only way, and more and more we are finding other ways and more creative ways and really strange ways sometimes to uh, chase down the possibilities. And so one big difference for me for how we do things is because I'm serving Ferguson, which is a relatively small geographic area, we get to think a lot more about not just, you know, meeting the needs from in the building, but we need to think a lot more about going out into the community. And so what we see is, um, you know, story times. We want to have lots of kids be exposed to books. Uh, So instead of doing just story times here at the library, we go out and do story times at the local daycares, at public schools, at private schools, that kind of thing, and and radically expand the number of kids that are getting exposed to books. We can do that in part because we're in a small geographic area, and so it's easy to make a, a meaningful relationship with local teachers, 
and daycare leaders and go out and do that thing. What um, a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to give another example. We also do like uh, job training over at uh, the apartment complexes down in southeast Ferguson and uh, partner with various uh, community organizations to make sure we're not duplicating services and to kind of maximize the dollar and that kind of thing. So we do a lot of stuff out of building um, in a way that uh, uh, takes advantage of the organizations that we do have available to work with and takes advantage of the you know space that we're working from. I, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the program, Scott, was because uh, of the role you played in Ferguson following the Michael Brown shooting. But we've already reached the point of having to take a break. So uh, we'll come back to that uh, after we take this uh, this short pause. We're talking about libraries and the role and the changing role they're, uh, they're playing in our communities. We'll come back and continue that conversation in a moment. If you have questions or comments that you'd like to make with regard to library life these days, give us a call at 382-8255. It's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org, or if you prefer to send a tweet, do so at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by Lindenwood University's Hammond Institute for Free Enterprise, examining market approaches to help solve economic and social issues. Hammond.Institute. Now back to our conversation with Steve Campbell, Library Director for Scenic Regional Library. John Mueller is with Gemma, a local architectural firm, and Scott Bonner, joining us by phone, is Director of the Ferguson Public Library District. I'll come back to you, Scott, uh, because as I mentioned before the break, we were interested in talking to you because of the community role that your library played in uh, Ferguson in 2014 after the death of Michael Brown. It became an actual community center, uh, a real hub, a real focus point, focal point, if you will, uh, for the community, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it did, actually. Um, whenever all of that was happening, we had uh, organizations from all over St. Louis trying to find ways to help, and essentially we said, yes, come on down, we'll find ways to make it, to, to, to let you help our people in partnership with us. And so we did countless partnerships, and we threw open the doors, and we had so much activity in this building that was kind of crazy. It played and we kind of, you know, we, we ran the library a little hot. We made mistakes. We forgot things. But in the end, we did a huge amount. Uh, we allowed other people to do a huge amount of good work uh, here in Ferguson uh, during that time to help kind of, uh, you know, strengthen the community. Well, the library, I know, received an, an numerous kudos for the work that you did, making that a focal point for the community. And, you know, coming back to Steve, uh, you're in this game, too, for that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd like to say, I mean, Scott has done a fantastic job um, in Ferguson. I, I really think that, um, in, I know especially in our small towns, I was discussing this with John before the interview today, that um, you know, in larger towns, larger cities, they have community centers, like actual community centers, uh, rec centers, things like that. In our communities, there's nothing like that. I mean, the library really serves uh, that purpose. As I mentioned, all the different kinds of programming uh, and things that we do, and like Scott mentioned, we offer computer classes um, on learning how to use Excel or Word or how to use the internet. I mean, there's nowhere else in our communities for that those types of services. So. Um, there's so many different things people come to the library for. And like we said, we design them just to be gathering places. People just come to meet their friends at the library, just to hang out after school. So, I mean, they, I think libraries in many different communities serve that purpose, especially small communities. I also wanted to say that um, while we were talking about the buildings originally, what Scott had talked about with outreach, 
most libraries, including ours, does extensive outreach. We, we pretty much visit every single daycare and preschool in our entire three-county area every, every month, more than once a month. We also have a bookmobile that goes around to all the private schools and preschools and daycares. We have over, uh, I think, 30 stops a month. Uh, so we do extensive outreach, as, as most libraries do as well, because not everyone can get to the library. So we do bring those services out to people. We also have adult outreach. We visit up to 30, over 30 nursing homes uh, every month in our areas and do programming at the nursing homes for the residents in those facilities, too. So um, libraries are definitely outside of their buildings a lot as well. John Mueller, uh, you know, as I remember, libraries used to be one big room. Now they're, they're, it's no longer like that. How do you take this into consideration in planning? I mean, we're talking about community gatherings. I'm sure there is as few as five or six people and maybe others where you're talking about dozens, if not 100 people or more. In planning, how do you take that into consideration? Well, one of the things that we we always do when we're starting off looking at buildings is called programming. And that's basically understanding what the needs are of, of our clients. So with Steve, it was really addressing with him and his key staff how big do these community rooms need to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, are there other community spaces, smaller community spaces that we need to build into these libraries? Um, what kind mm-hmm. of study rooms? Um, even going getting into the staff area, what does that interface want to be between the circulation desk, uh, the library staff, and and the, and the the client? So basically, through programming, we get a good understanding of what what Steve and Scenic Regional is trying to accomplish. But then, as you pointed out, historically, libraries really had the collection space and the reading rooms. Those were the two primary spaces of libraries. But now there's this whole different aspect of it, which, again, gets back to community. Um, I call it the third place. Um, A lot of planners and sociologists like to use that term, the first place being Mm -hmm. our home, the second place being our work, and the third place being this, this place in society where we go to make community. Uh, could be the barber shop, it could be a coffee shop. Uh, but for a lot of these small towns, as Steve mentioned, the third place, that key third place is the public library. Scott, uh, let me turn back to you. Do you have any plans to, uh, to renovate or rebuild or anything in, in Ferguson? I know you've got a fairly small facility. Uh, yeah, uh, fairly small and, and it doesn't not resemble the box <laughs> full of books. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, uh, what we've done, actually, uh, we can't afford a new building, and we can't afford to uh, do lots of dedicated spaces for different purposes. And so what we've done is we've done an in-place remodel without closing the library and gotten new carpet, redid the bathrooms in a kind of creative way, and uh, did a lot of purchases of uh, furniture and such that are designed to make the spaces modular so you can take apart uh, compress down the furniture and make an open space in the main area for adults or over in juvenile or move the tables around and reposition them. Um, but I'll tell you, I feel the desire for um, those specialized spaces. I really wish we had a quiet room because libraries aren't, you know, hush-hush quiet places anymore and haven't been for 20, 30 years um, because people need to get things done and that means talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, I do wish we had a separate room that we could say is the quiet room and that kind of thing, or more smaller meeting spaces. So I really feel um, the, the power of being able to do things with architecture. And what, I do, what we've done here is we have done the best we can with the space we have and tried to be kind of creative and flexible 
in how we think about things and how we design things. Well, maybe somebody's listening right now in the Ferguson uh, city government or in Ferguson itself that can help you along those lines, Scott. Uh, given what you've just told me, we have an email from uh, one of our listeners, Jim in University City, says, please ask the experts how they're dealing with different needs of lighting and noise tolerance between the younger set with their mobile devices that lead need little or no light and tend to tolerate noise and the old-fashioned book print people who need good lighting and tomb-like silence. That's, that's well, quite we, an order to fill. We, we have, we, our buildings are not large. I mean, we're in little towns. All our communities are between 2,000 and 10,000 people, so very small towns. And all our facilities, our new facilities, are between 5,000 and 17,000 square feet. So we're talking about very small libraries. So we're trying to use the space most efficiently. Um, we do, I mean, like Scott mentioned, libraries are not quiet places anymore. We try to move all our story times and our programming and things are in our, our meeting rooms, which helps. That does cut that noise down entirely. We do have our study rooms for kids that are meeting in small groups and talking. That kind of reduces the, the noise a little bit. We have pushed our children's and our teen areas over kind of to the corners of the building, trying to f- keep the noise in those areas of the building because we have pretty dynamic children's areas now. I mean, our children's areas have Lego tables and magnet boards, magnet walls, and giant touchscreen tablets and lots of play things. So the kids are being very loud in there. They're making a lot of noise because they're having fun and playing. And so we kind of have put that on the kind of the, by the by the meeting rooms far away from where our service desk is and where our adult seating is. So it is a challenge to be able to do that. Um, the libraries are just not quiet places anymore. Uh, we don't have anything especially done acoustically. I know some places have these things that can cancel out the noise and, and, and built into the ceilings and things. We really don't have that. I will say, though, uh, when Gemma designed our buildings, uh, we have very high ceilings. Our ceilings go from 10 feet up to 16 feet in some cases. And I think that does kind of help with the noise. It brings the noise up. Let, let yeah. me ask John, because I was about to ask what you can do to uh, you know, eliminate or uh, help this, uh, alleviate this problem. So, yeah, in, in, in larger libraries where we would, we would probably separate either with a glass wall to maintain that visual between the children's area and the adult area or the teens area and the adult area in these smaller libraries – when Steve and I were talking about it, we didn't want to have that separation. So part of it is that as a town library, um, you accept some level of noise. Uh, but the other part is to have the tall ceilings, the acoustical ceilings, uh, some of the acoustical properties in the flooring and on the walls. The other thing, though, I wanted to address is lighting. Mm-hmm. The, the yes. email mentioned lighting, and I think that's such a, a incredibly important aspect of libraries today. A lot of libraries from yesteryear were very concerned about natural light and its impact on on the collections. And so a lot of times you saw collections that were almost entirely encased in windowless rooms. That's really significantly changed now. So now what we want to see from an exterior is we want to be able to have the community look into the building, see what's going on, see the children. Uh, story time, see the teens, see the adults. We have fireplaces in all seven of the, or all eight of the branches right now. So see the, the coziness lots of that of living room. Lots of windows. We have lots of windows. So, and lots of windows. And so we strategically place the windows uh, in connection with the collections so we're not damaging the, co- the collections. But we want to have a lot of natural light. That mm. really makes a big difference in these smaller libraries. Isn't that going to affect the books, though? When the reason well, it like didn't have light was because it would yeah. fade. the books would fade and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So 
a couple of things have happened. One is we want to strategically locate the windows so that we're not affecting the collections. But the other thing is, is that collections, um, if you remember many years ago, collections were much more viewed as more precious, Mm -hmm. um, much more expensive. Um, so as, as collections have gotten to be, uh, more diverse and, 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 and numerous, um, we do want to protect them, but we're not looking at them uh, as, as permanent. Yeah. <laughs> They're not permanent anymore. Exactly. We've got a number of uh, members of the audience who want to get into the conversation. Time is winding down, but let's get as many in as we can. We'll start with uh, uh, Kristen calling from Arnold, Missouri, which is kind of in your territory, isn't it, Dusty? Jefferson kind County of. is adjacent to us, yeah. yeah. Kristen, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to comment that my favorite part about the libraries is the research librarians and the research sections. Um, as a member of a small nonprofit, I just love that I can utilize your software and the knowledge they have um, to look for grants, to look for opportunities for us. And uh, I just think it's awesome that it's free because those services generally have to be paid for. So it's really cool that you guys let us use them. Thank you. Kristen, thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that applies to you as well, Scott. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the, there is no more satisfying job I know of than being a reference librarian. You get to be, your expertise is to be a generalist. But isn't you end that, up helping everyone all day. Isn't that changing, though? I mean, we've got Google now. We've got, you know, we've got many opportunities online to do the kinds of things that people used to go to the library for. All the information that is worth nothing or very little is freely available. (laughs) (laughs) And you now need expertise to sift through the good information versus the bad and the best source or the source that's really going to help you in a meaningful way versus the source that's going to get you, you know, maybe far enough, maybe not. So it it becomes an expertise game rather than an access game. Let's take a call from Charles in St. Louis. Charles, go ahead. Uh, I would love to donate some very nice books that I have at home that my family's accumulated over the years, but I've been told by the St. Louis Public Library that they don't accept donated books. Can you tell me why? Well, I can't personally speak for the uh, St. Louis Public Library. Uh, we do accept a lot of donations, but to be honest, um, a lot of the, the older stuff uh, we, we sell in our book sale, uh, and then some of the stuff we do add to our collection uh, unlike St. Louis Public Library and probably also St. Louis County and St. Charles, the really big libraries, they have lots of room, lots of space, and they do keep archives, older books. Um, we are really small libraries. Our collection really is very fluid. Uh, we're constantly weeding out books uh, that are no longer popular to be able to find room for the new materials because we do have a limited space. So uh, while some libraries, the really large libraries, the Kansas City Public, the St. Louis Public, they do have a lot of old books and never get rid of things um, really for for very long decades even. Um, they just operate differently than we do because we're so small and we have limited space. Like I said, our collection is very fluid. So if you donated them to us, for example, we would either sell them or add the popular items, the newer items in better condition to our collection possibly. Most of the stuff getting sold, I really don't honestly know. Every library is different, and those libraries really operate differently than we do when it comes to donations. So I really can't speak for them. If I can say something really quick, um, we also accept donations, and we do it in much the same way that Steve does. Uh, But I wanted to say that a a California librarian once told me that uh, uh, donated books are not free like beer. They're free like kittens. (laughs) And it takes hours of uh, staff time to process through whatever you're going to add to the collection. And it takes hours of staff time just to sort through and decide what's good enough to add to the collection and what needs to go to the book sale. Sure. Um, it's, it's, It's not a simple matter of, hey, it's free, that's great. It's more like, 
here's this commitment that we're handing over to you. And we appreciate every time that we are given that opportunity to take on that commitment, but we understand that it's a commitment. And it could be that the public library, uh, St. Louis Public Library has made a different calculation. Mm-hmm. And they probably receive millions of donations a oh, yeah. year. Uh, I mean, how many copies of the same items can you have, you know? Right. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it at that. I'm afraid our time is up, but I want to thank you so much for uh, to you, Steve Campbell, for being with us, a library director for Scenic Regional Library, John Mueller, it was Gemma, a local architectural firm, and Scott Bonner, director of the Ferguson Public Library District. Lots to talk about here. I think a lot of folks learned a lot about uh, what you folks do. Thank you again so much. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you for having you. us. Good luck. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.